Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. This is normally where I would have a book ad where I would try to convince you guys to buy my books, but I think that there's a better message that I can get out there this week, and that is protecting yourself and COVID-19. I know, I know, that's all we fucking hear about. It's on the news, it's our friends, it's emails, it's constantly, constantly, constantly overwhelming. You know, this morning I woke up with a fine mist of anxiety just like hanging over me. I could feel it in my chest. My chest felt a little tight. I was like, you know, I usually manage my stress and anxiety pretty well, but this whole unknown of what's going to happen, how long are we going to have to stay away from each other? When is this happening? How long is this? When's a vaccine coming? Like just everything. I guess I woke up with this overwhelming feel of fuck. What's next, right? And I don't think I'm the only one. And so my message to you today is if you're feeling like that, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling stressed, if you have a therapist, give them a call, okay? If you don't have a therapist and you think you need to speak to a professional, please reach out to your insurance company. Talk to someone. You know, my therapist just sent out an email stating that if you don't want to come in, if you have appointments this week or next week or whatnot, and you don't want to come into the office, they're doing something with the insurance company where they can do FaceTime calls. So there is someone out there for you to talk to. I implore you to please talk to someone if you're feeling like you're in a bubble or you're feeling alone in this and you just don't know how to manage. Like the airline industry right now, pretty fucking crazy. Like we don't know what's going to happen. It's changing every moment. Like you'll get an email at eight o'clock and say, we're canceling 20 flights. And then by 9 PM, it's like, we've canceled a hundred. So, so much chaos right now, but you have to manage your stress. You have to manage your anxiety because it's probably going to be like this for a couple of months. So get on it now and, and please talk to somebody. All right. Enough about that. Oh, wait a minute. One more thing. Please wash your hands. And I don't even know why we have to tell people to wash their hands, but I work on an airplane and I see you fucking people coming out of that lab and there was no hand washing. It was flush toilet and walk right out. So you're not pulling anything over on me. Okay. Wash your hands. Also, if you don't have to go out, don't. My husband and I have this new thing where if we don't have to do it, we're not doing it. So that means we're not going to the gym. <laughs> that, that was not a hard decision for me. Um, but I can go for a run. I can go for a hike. You know, I don't need to be at a bar with a crowd of people. I mean, if you can't go a, a month or two without going to a bar and being nuts to butts with people, you probably have a, you probably need Jesus. Okay, but you're not going to find Jesus here. Today, you are going to find sex, baby. I've been waiting for this episode because I have been wanting to talk about sex with my guest for a while. Jordan came on. I wanted a woman to come on to talk about sex because... Guys talk about sex all the time. We know that guys can talk about sex. They can flaunt their bodies. They can sleep with whoever they want. But if a woman is sexual, she's looked down upon. And I think that's kind of bullshit. Jordan came on. She talked about her life in Bible college. She got two degrees in Bible college. She also educated me on the fact that in Bible college, you have to keep your virginity, but anal and blowjobs are not considered sex, quote unquote, in the Bible college student community. So if you like anal and blowjobs, my recommendation is go to Bible college. We talked about masturbation and we talked about losing our virginities and the shame of being open about sexuality. And we talked about swinging. 
Welcome, Jordan. Let's talk about sex. Joe and Jordan are talking about sex today. Hey, Jordan, welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. Thank you. I'm so excited. Are you nervous? I'm very nervous right now. Like like butterflies in your stomach nervous or like I'm about to go work a flight and I could catch coronavirus nervous. <laughs> coronavirus is not even on my radar right now. So, yeah, more like the butterflies thing. Well, you know, I used yeah. to do theater. Ooh. I used to do theater and I would get that those nerves. And then once the curtain went up, I was like, oh, I've got this. So take that nervous energy and just roll with it. Think of this as... You're just having a chat with me. We're in the back galley. Service is done. We're jump seat confessional. Jump seat confessional. You look over, you <laughs> see I'm adorable. You're like, I could tell Joe anything. And you can. I you know, that's starting to happen where people are just like, you look like I could confess all my secrets to. And I'm like, well, I'm just trying to read my book on the jump seat, but go ahead, because this sounds good. Something about you just has like a pre confession like quality that makes you just want to tell you everything well i was raised catholic so maybe it's it's that like maybe i should have became a priest but i don't like little boys i like grown men so there you go that's out of it yeah that's out oh terrible so um first thing i want to jump into though is we were supposed to record this episode a couple of weeks ago and you dropped me like a hot potato to fly across the ocean for some dick. It's not that I don't love you, Joe. <laughs> but you love dick more. A little bit, yes. Yes, so I do. Can you tell me about, I? this has better been a great date and some good sex or whatever for you to be, <laughs> like me getting ready to record and then you're on Instagram like, I'm flying to Europe and I'm like, I don't know. She must have either forgot or she's... <laughs> Dickmatized. To be fair, I thought we could do it across the ocean because you know I have T-Mobile and internet <laughs> and all that. So I I didn't think that I was standing you up. So my apologies in that one. But yeah, it was just a Tinder date that went great, and I had that weekend off. And he said, "Yeah, I'm going to Germany. Do you want to go?" And the sex was that good that I went to Germany to meet him. Yeah. So you did you have sex before you met him or when you got there? Wait, what, what do you mean before? I, this was a second date, to be oh, fair. Oh, okay. So you so is he from the states? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. he was in Germany for work, and the sex was so good, you just hopped on a plane and flew for to go some, get more of it. Yeah, to get more of it. Well, I can't <laughs> be mad at that. You know, when it's good, you kind of got to chase it. I know they say girls aren't supposed to chase, but I, I do. I'm shameless. So, Well, you know, and that's one of the reasons I have you on the show today, because women are made to feel shame about sex, about being sexual, about mm -hmm. having sexual ideas. You know, it's okay for guys to be horn dogs and to be hoes, but if a woman doesn't fall in line with what society believes that they should, all of a sudden right. they're a tramp, they're a trollop, they're whatever mm -hmm. all the names you want. And I think that's bullshit. I agree. I agree. I think that women should be able to have the same liberties as men in our exploration and our embracing of our sexuality, exploring it, whatever that may be, whether it's by yourself, whether it's with other people, 
And, and that's why I try to do it. And that's why I try to tell people all the time that you should just do what you want to do, do whatever makes you happy. Yeah, absolutely. And if it, if that involves flying to Germany for a date and then some second date dick, then that's great. <laughs> and it does sometimes. Now, are you going to see this person again or is, was this like a two date minimum two date thing? We're just, we're trying to have fun as, we're playing it by ear now, I think. Well, that's good. Do you think yeah, he's gonna we'll do you think he's gonna listen to this podcast episode? Absolutely not. <laughs> Is that because you're not gonna tell him? I'm not gonna tell him oh, about it. All right. Well, one day when, <laughs> when there's a million people downloading this, he will read listen to it. But by then he, you'll probably be happily married or something. Right. Probably. Yeah. Okay, so we'll care. we'll see what happens. <laughs> he won't care. <laughs> um have you traveled far for Dick before? Because I have, I haven't traveled far before I was married. The furthest I went for Dick was, um, I lived in Orlando and I drove to Biloxi, Mississippi. That's with, far. I know. And I'm, can I tell you, I didn't even get anything. What had happened, yeah. uh, listen, I'm going to say like what had happened was I get there <laughs> And he's at this conference. And so I'm hanging out at the hotel. And then when he comes back to the hotel, we get in the hot tub and I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. Very attractive, very muscular gentleman. And he says, oh, I wish you'd take a big dump on my chest. Oh, no. Yeah. So at that point, I was like, well, I don't have to go. So like, I you're don't shit out of luck. You're shit out of luck. So. Just to be safe, I did not do anything because I didn't know it. at some point he would try to like, I don't know what would happen. But even when I got home and then I drove all the way back home, that's like a nine or a 10 hour drive, right? That's, oh my goodness. Whew. Yeah. That's out, far. I'm it, proud of you. It was far. So I, I get back home and we have a few text messages back and forth. And he's like, oh yeah, I hope we can meet up again. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess. And he said, um, yeah, I, I really want you to um, drop a low, a dump on my chest. Well, he actually said, I want you to shit on my chest. Oh, so he, he went even further. He was more clear this time. Right. Because, you know, when you're having some drinks and you're in a hot tub and somebody says, I want you to drop a load on my chest, that could mean a lot of things. It's open to interpretation. Yes. But no, no, he, he like put an exclamation mark at the end of it and said... I want you to shit on my chest. And then I was like, all right, I don't even know if my phone blocks you as much as I need you to be blocked. <laughs> Hard pass on this one. Right. So thankfully you had met this person already and you weren't flying to Germany to hear some crazy nonsense. Like I want you to take a dump on me. No. And I, I mean, so I have flown across the country for first date and some that have gone very well and others not so well. So in my opinion, flying for us in the aviation industry is different than driving. So I am much more rather would rather take a six hour flight than this one time I drove to New Hampshire. So from where I was in Massachusetts, that was about a two hour drive. And this was for our first date. And I thought this guy was beautiful. He was one of those. I'm not typically into the gym guys, but he was buff. He had the beard and the hair going. And I thought, Oh my goodness, this is great. My first message to him was your face looks like it is perfect for me to sit on. And we just rolled from there and went with it. <laughs> this is why I have you on the show today. Go ahead. <laughs> so 
so we rolled with it and, and went along with it. And we had the agreement, although I still practice safe first encounters. I never meet someone in private. Um, so I wasn't going to go right to his house. So we agreed to meet at a grocery store to go grocery shopping for this date where he was going to then cook dinner. But, you know, it's gonna, you were going to feel each other out first. So he walks up to me in the grocery store. He looks at me and he goes, oh, you're Jordan, huh? And I said, yeah, are you Matt or whatever his name was? And he just says, yeah, this isn't going to work. And he walked oh, away. No fucking way. Oh, no. That's that's douche level. I had never been more embarrassed in my life. And in broad daylight in a grocery store in Bumblefuck, New Hampshire. Oh, so I just I took it's only a two hour drive of shame back to my apartment and just, I think, wallowed in a glass of Riesling for the rest of the night. When that happens. Are you driving home? Are you like, I'm going to give up dating for a while? Or are you like, I'm going to drink this bottle of Riesling, maybe a second one. I'm going to masturbate. And then tomorrow I'm right back into the game. No, I, I took the latter approach. I went right at it. At that time in my life, I was going hard on dates. Um, I was sometimes planning two dates a day because I didn't want to waste a face on a hair day. <laughs> so I would just, you know, do one for early dinner, one for drinks later. You always make sure to take a shower in between just in case. Oh my God. Are yeah. you saying you can, you, you have booked, I feel like I'm on the phone with Samantha Jones from sex in the city. <laughs> so you mean to tell me you, you've booked like a lunch date and then a dinner date. Or whatever worked for the schedule, whether it was dinner and drinks or appetizers and drinks or just, you know, drinks and drinks. Well, I hope it's not hard. I hope it's easier for you to set up dates than it was to get you on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> about the same amount of dick was involved. About though. the same. Well, there you go. And I have one and you don't. Well, I don't. <laughs> I, something tells me you have some silicone ones in the house somewhere. But we'll uh, get, some we're going to get to that in a minute. So you're a very sexual human being. You're very open to talk about sex. How was sex approached and talked about when you were growing up? Oh, it was not mentioned at all. No, nothing. So I like, had so like many it didn't occur. Like it didn't happen. Okay. Um, I remember one time, I think I was maybe 10. And I asked my mom what a virgin was. It had come up. I was obsessed with horror movies. It had come up in a, a vampire movie. And I asked her what a virgin was. And she goes, oh, it's, it's a German girl. So for, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. So for my entire adolescence, I thought that I was a, a virgin because I was a German girl or of German heritage. And I would go around counting this at school. And then my mom came to me one day and she goes, you know, you really aren't supposed to say that out loud. So <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> I had no clue. Oh I had God. no clue. So she told you uh, virgins were German girls. And then because you were German, you would go to school and just say, I'm a virgin. How yes. old were you? How old were you? I think this was like 10 to 12 before <laughs> I started hearing other girls were giving boys blowjobs in the bathrooms. And then I figured out that I was wrong very quickly. So did you, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to be hooked on the virgin German <laughs> thing for the entire episode. Um, <laughs> So were you raised in a, a religious household or was Okay. Yeah. Yes. So okay. here we come to this point. So yeah. I 
as a teenager, decided to become very Christian, um, you know, almost Southern Baptist evangelical proselytizing. And this led to me wanting to go to Bible college. Yeah. So uh, even then, it nobody even broached it. It wasn't like I was one of those people who was giving boys blowjobs in the back seats of their cars. I had never even had my first kiss until I was 25. Oh, wow. So when you talk about a late bloomer, I feel like my picture is in the dictionary next to it. Well, you're catching up. Yeah. I've got a lot of time to make up for, and that's why I had to plan two in a day sometimes. Yes. So so you went to, how long were you in Bible college? I decided to go for two degrees. So, because everybody who went had to have a Bible degree, but my pragmatism said, well, you need a real degree too. So even as a Christian, I was like, well, that's not a real degree. Um, I decided to go for education as well. So I took four and a half years to get my two degrees there. Um, what is, what is a Bible degree? Is that what you need to become a minister or a boy scout leader? Like what? (laughs) Yeah, it's a prerequisite. (laughs) Um, the Bible degree in itself, I, you know, I wish I could tell you what it was. I have one and I don't really know. Um, it was just a lot of, we read the Bible a lot. We studied a lot. We wrote a lot of papers about it and I had to tell people about it a lot. And now I couldn't even tell you what it could get me. Um, yeah, I have a lot of friends who I don't really know what they're doing with their Bible degrees. They might be in ministry. They might be a social worker. But all in all, typically pastors and ministers, they have um, more advanced degrees in, in divinity and in theology. So the basis of a Bible degree itself wouldn't typically alone qualify you to be a pastor. You would need something else. You need a little extra to get there. So everybody who goes to a Bible college, they have to walk out with a Bible degree. That's, that's pretty much the basic. It's like getting a high school diploma. At the time when I went to my um, Bible college, and as it was when I went there, yes, that was true. But I believe that um, they are changing their requirements a little bit. When I left, um, my college changed its name uh, okay. for, for people who were getting visas into like restricted countries and they would see um, like a biblical university or a Bible college on their visa application, they would get turned away because they knew that they were coming in for the purpose of proselytizing and for spreading Christianity. So my university kind of wanted to squelch that and like sneak in back door a little bit and, (laughs) you know, not pretend that they were a Bible college. Oh, okay. Now, so when you're in school, you're in this Bible college, you're just thrust it into Christianity, the ideologies mm-hmm. of Christianity. They probably don't promote sex. Not at all. No. And it, it was kind of funny. At the time, I was not into it at all. I had no knowledge of anything that was happening. I was totally naive. But I guess there were people who were doing things like anal in place of vaginal <laughs> sex. Oh, oh, I, at first I was like, oh, she's speaking my language. But then I actually know what you're talking about. I've actually heard things where girls have said, like, I'm still a virgin because I've had anal and not in the vag. Right. Okay. And it, and when I heard that, I believe it's Garfunkel and Oates, that little parody band. I think that they actually have a song about it. 
and it makes so much sense. It's, it's very much so a mindset that I heard of after the fact because I wasn't even friends with the people who were risque enough to do that kind of thing back in the day. But they actually did it. And I had no clue. <laughs> were were blowjobs considered sex or no? No, no, they were not. So anal and blowjobs, good. Vaginal yeah. sex, bad. Any homosexuality right. sex, devil. Bad. Bad, yeah. bad. So according to them. Is so you're walking around, you know, there's other people doing anal. <laughs> That's amazing <laughs> to me, by the way. Oh my God. It's like going out to the bar on a Friday night. Um <laughs> Now, are you seeing boys and are you like, oh, wow, that guy's really hot, but I know I'm not supposed to do anything, you know, things like that, so, or do you just right. put it completely out of your mind? And I mean, I would have crushes on guys at the time, and I would think there were guys who were cute, but in my opinion, this is going to be um, very self-deprecating. I was not all that attractive in college. I didn't put time and effort into my appearance. I didn't know how to do my makeup or dress. So I was never, I didn't even go on a date until I was 24. So that okay. when I say this was at the back of my mind, it really was. There was dating just was not even on my radar at that point, because in my mind to be a good Christian meant that I had to focus on my studies and focus on telling more people about God. And when a man was supposed to come into my life, he would, and he would pursue me. And that's how I would know that it would be right. And so that's why I stayed single for so long. <laughs> well, that's fascinating. Now, you said you, when you were in college, you really didn't do your hair, you didn't wear makeup. Did you kind of just dress lazily because it felt comfortable? Or did you do that out of like, I don't want to look attractive to people. Why am I don't want to even start that. So I'm not going to worry about how I look. I Yeah, it, it is a lot of that too, because I think a lot of the Christian mindset also shames women for the fact that they may have a body and want to wear things that are appealing to showing off a shape or just even being not even form fitting, but admitting, you know, that we have tits and ass and sometimes it's okay to show that we have them, not necessarily like booty shorts, but, you know, wearing a bodycon dress or a shirt that's a little bit more low cut or showing off our shoulders, God forbid. And I, that is very forbidden in the Christian culture. So I, I do think that part of my mindset was the more matronly and frumpily, if that's a word, I dress, the closer I am to God. So that was another part of my downfall. Would you, so say you're in school and that's how you dress and present yourself and you see a girl who's like maybe wearing a tighter dress than she should be. She's wearing makeup. Do you think, oh, you know, I'm closer to God. That girl's a hoe. At that time, unfortunately, my mindset would have been that, yes. Yeah, and that, that I actually makes sense. I feel ashamed for it. I do not think that way anymore. Like, go get them, girl. Wear what makes you happy. But at that time, yeah, that's, that's what I would have thought. Um, it's fascinating that you came from this upbringing. Now, you said that you became a Christian in your teen years. Am I correct? Or late teens? Right. Yeah, you're correct. So I, my family was not like that growing up. Oh, so why was your mom not talking, like talking about sex? Was it just, she didn't want to talk about it? I thought it was because of her religion, her religion beliefs. No, she's just very conservative. Oh, I love her to pieces. Okay. And she just, yeah, even to this day, when I, I try to tell her about things, I tried to tell her about the first time I gave her a, gave a blowjob, not <laughs> her a blowjob. Sorry, that's so weird. 
Um, <laughs> Please, wait a minute. I didn't know this conversation was going to go that way, but we'll, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so you tried to talk to your mom about, oh, mom, I gave a blowjob for the first time. Yes. My mom is my best friend. I love her to death. And so when I tried to tell her we were at a Target and she, <laughs> go on, I'm she sorry. took her fingers and plugged her ears and went, la, 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 I'm not hearing this. And so she's just not open to me talking about it with her. Well, you know, I can understand if I had, I'm 47 and if I had a, I, you know, technically according to the math, I could, if I had a kid at 20, I could have a 20, oh God, that makes me sick inside. I could have like a 27 year old kid. And I don't know if my 27 year old daughter came up to me and said, dad, I just gave this guy a blowjob. I would probably be like, la, 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 la. I'm throwing myself <laughs> off the roof. So I totally okay. get that. I totally get it. All right. Well, when you put it in that perspective, I was just looking at it like my mom is my best friend. I'm right. so excited to tell her about this new adventure in life. And I didn't think about it like, in that aspect. Mom, hand me the Tide Pods. Listen, I love sucking <laughs> dick. Can we, do you have your Target card with you? Because I left mine at home. <laughs> so let's do it. <laughs> what got you into like, if you weren't raised in this religious background, what how did you step through that door to become a Christian to go into a Bible school, Bible college? I, it's, I know it's a big leap. Um, so it started, let me think, with, um, you know, middle school card, kids get bullied. I got bullied a lot. And one of my friends invited me out to a youth group. And I had no clue what youth group meant at the time. Like, it, in my mind, it didn't ring a bell as a an activity that was for Christians and involved God or anything like that. So I just went and experienced it, had no clue what was going to happen, um, and found out that the people there were very loving and accepting and wanted to build community. So coming from an environment in school where I got made fun of and got bullied, and it was a very different place to be and to feel welcomed. So I just, I kind of fell into that love and acceptance and it just kind of spiraled downhill of, you know, having friends and, and, you know, building a family in a church and was a very different from school. And that's what I really fell in love with. And I feel like the Christianity was just kind of a byproduct of wanting to feel accepted and loved. Yes. And, you know, you're sitting there, you're, you're in school, you're getting picked on and you find this community of people who are like, we love you. Jesus loves you. You're beautiful inside and out. Of right. course, you're going to say, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sign up for this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're not going to call me four eyes. Yeah, right. let's go for that. Now, um, where do you where do you fall now on your your Christian on Christianity and your beliefs? So now I kind of just look at the world with a treat others as you want to be treated kind of mindset and uh, a little bit of karma is out there too like it's going to come back to you I do think you know maybe there is some kind of watchmaker in the sky but I don't think that everybody needs to know about him and everybody needs to find their own version of whatever God may be if your God is going fishing on Sunday mornings and popping a beer while you're out in your boat, or if it's going thrift store shopping and finding your peace in that, or doing wine and a face mask, however you find peace within yourself, I think that's what the most important thing is. 
Just being, um, yeah, just being happy. You know, I'm an atheist. Um, mm -hmm. I've read a lot of the Bible. You know, atheists know a lot about religion because absolutely that's how we get to that point. You know, right. I, I, I'm one of those people that believe atheists know more about Christian and God and Jesus than than people that stand on the corner with this big sign that says Jesus is going to get you. Absolutely, because, 100%. Because at some point in our minds, we say, wait a minute, I don't know if that part makes sense. Did he get every animal on the ark? All right, like every single, how how did that happen? And then you start picking it apart. And then I got to right. the end of it where I was like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I don't believe this. Now, right. I'm more of a person that believes like, um, I kind of I kind of say I believe in the universe, which I don't believe the universe is a person. I just say like, oh, the universe is watching out for me, which I kind of relate to whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I should be a nice person. If I'm a nice mm -hmm. person, nice people, I will bring nice people into my life. I don't need right. to worry about negative bitches. Um, the law of attraction. Yeah. Like you do, you know, I hold the door open for someone somewhere down the line. Somebody's going to hand me my wallet. Hopefully if I left it on the fucking bus. Right. Right. Oh, I'm right there with you. Um, Absolutely. And because you have such a background and you know, you know, Christians probably from A to Z. Why are Jesus was like this loving, like Mary Magdalene was a hoe, if I remember correctly. And he was her friend and he washed homeless people's feet and he yep. ate with um, lepers. Like he was mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Now today, <laughs> his followers are fucking crazy. So they're kind of dicks. Yeah. They're not kind of. Now, I'm not saying all because I actually know. I have some very close friends, some very good friends that are Christians and they're wonderful, loving people. They are the people that if Jesus knocked on their door and then he said, hi, I'm Jesus, they would let him in. You know, they're mm -hmm. not the people that say, you're dark skin from the Middle East. We're gonna hang you in the front yard. Go back to where you came Go from. Back. You know, if Jesus came here now, I have this joke in my first book that Jesus is actually here. <laughs> He's back. He's back. He's just working at a 7-Eleven undercover because no one's going to look for him there. That's, a bit, that's an excellent point. <laughs> so how, so what has happened? Where are, why are Christians not the loving, oh, you know, we're going to take in everybody and we're going to feed them and, you know, take care of people. I don't understand that. I think the crusades happened where Christians felt the need to just take everything and have everything mm. as their own. I don't know. That's totally facetious. I have no idea. I People are crazy. That's all I can say. And I think that they like to hide under the guise of Christianity and sort of pretend that they're good people. And it's, that's just not how it works. You have to actually follow through with the actions of what the Bible teaches if you want to be that good person and be what the Bible actually teaches Christ followers are. And so many people don't, they take a little snippet and just apply that little thing to their life and move on and call it a day. Just be kind. It's so simple. Like the Bible could literally just be open it up, just be kind. And that's pretty much it. That's all, that's all we need to know. But I am don't this, be a dick. Don't be a dick. That would even be better. But I just had this thought, like when you brought up the Crusades, maybe people, Christians today or throughout history, think you fucking crucified him, so we don't have to be nice anymore. 
<laughs> right? We're retaliating. Yeah. Like, because you of hung that. him on a cross. You stuck nails into him. Why do I have to be nice to you? That's, <sighs> that's an interesting thought. It is. They're getting nailed in the wrong way, though. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great transition, by the way. <laughs> Are you having fun? Is this comfortable? This is we're I think we're doing okay now. It's the like curtain is up. Yeah, it's like we're exactly the you get those butterflies, the curtain goes up and you take that energy and then you just tell dick jokes. So Yeah, and you just so yeah, roll easy. with the punches. Just yeah. roll with the punches. Now, so you get what how old were you when you got out of Bible school cuz you said the first boy you kissed was when you were 25. Right. So I was 23, no, 22 when I graduated college. Yeah. So all throughout college, no, no action for me. Still a virgin all through college. Still German. Oh, yeah. Still German all through college. Okay. Did, um, did you masturbate or no? No, no. Oh that my was, God. Wow. You were committed to Jesus. That was, it was just such a no thing between my friends group and the things that I had plainly asked to my mom and the internet doing research on the internet about that kind of thing wasn't, really big at the time you know now you can you know put what what is this pimple on my butt on the internet and it'll show you but back then you know google back in my day google wasn't as <laughs> oh my advanced god what are you like 42 <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> um, back in my day you couldn't find out about anal you had to go to bible college to find out <laughs> you had to talk to your your straight male friends about it right straight yeah. male friends so yeah. you got out when you were like 22, 23, virgin, never masturbated. How mm -hmm. old were you when you first was like, I'm going to try this and see what happens? I think that was like maybe 23 or 24. Yeah, that, that particular instance doesn't stick out to me as much. But I do remember, I remember watching porn on end for hours, just like, what is this? Like, I was a kid in a candy shop, like all of these new flavors are happening in front of me. I have no idea what this is. So I would stay up until five, six, seven in the morning, just watching, not doing anything, just watching. Watching porn. Uh, in a, yeah, in okay. total amazement. Yeah. Like all kinds of porn or just straight porn, gay porn, everything. Just like an, it was, another degree from college. Yeah. It yeah. was just like figuring out what this whole new world was that I had not experienced up until this time. Now you watch all this porn. Does that kind of like, I'm, I want to know when your sexual awakening was like the moment you were like, wait a minute, I have a body. I'm going to use it. I'm going to appreciate it. I'm going to love it. And I'm going to let someone else love it too. Yeah. So, okay. So this takes us back to, I, I do think that that moment happened. I was still a virgin, but and you're not going to believe this story. So I was asked out on a second date to, uh, Spain this time. This was pre-aviation career. I was living in Orlando at the time and had gone on this great Tinder date with this guy. And we went back to his hotel room. We were making out. And I was like, hey, I'm just, I'm really not comfortable doing anything more than making out. And just, you know, that's all I feel comfortable with. And he said, okay, but things got a little more aggressive. And he like ripped my pantyhose off. Oh no! And I felt this, yes, I felt this crazy, like gurgling inside of me, had no idea what it was at later realizing it's because I was fucking horny. Like that's what it was. And I just didn't know how to reconcile these feelings because it was all new. 
Well, two weeks later, he asked me to go to Spain with him. So we went to Spain together and we were trying all these other things. And I was, you know, getting into that was blowjobs and all that jazz. And I think that's when I figured out, like, there's a whole nother world that I need to experience that I haven't because of this Christianity thing growing up. It's not talking about sex and all that jazz. And I really wanted to explore it. And it still didn't happen for about two years after that. But I think that that trip to Spain with that guy with that great Tinder date is the impetus for me exploring sex and sexuality and all all good things in life. So you went to Spain, <laughs> but you didn't have sex with him, but you, you went to Spain on a date. Right. And I think, well, it was um, like a 10 day long date and he seemed very understanding about it, but um, also... I can imagine from his perspective now, him being, you know, a worldly male, being very frustrated with the fact that I was not sleeping with him. Okay. You skimmed over the fact <laughs> that he ripped your pantyhose off or you, whatever. <laughs> like you just skimmed, you talked about it. Like I had to write it down because I was like, I'm not letting her get out away with that. <laughs> Um, you just skimmed over it like it was like, oh, he bought me a latte and then he and then we went to Spain together. So let's go back, rewind a little bit. So you're having, you're in this hotel room, you're having this sexual tension. You're like, no, I'm not comfortable. He takes, you see, you, you, you actually use the word ripped. If I remember, um, are you ever thinking I'm in trouble? This is bad. I got to get out of here. Hashtag me too. <laughs> He was never predatorial in, in that sense. There was no, I never felt at risk in that sense. It was very, I don't want to say reciprocal because I wasn't asking him to do it, but it was, you know, your body gets into doing things and it seemed like it made sense at the time for him to have that desire to want to do that. But I did promptly leave. Okay. So he got the message, but, um, yeah. and did he stop? Like when you said, no, no, I'm serious. Did he stop? Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He stopped. Yeah. Did, um, when he ripped your up panties off, I can't believe you <laughs> acted like I wasn't going to come back to this. Were you like, did you think you said you didn't feel in danger, but did you find it erotic and sexual? Like when you were driving home where you were like, oh my goodness, that was hot. Oh, right. Absolutely. Because there is a certain amount of it, it's definitely attractive when a man knows what he wants and goes for it. And when it is, you know, obviously consensual and the, the vibes are there that I'm into this, which they were at the time. So I can see how my words would be confusing because I was conflicted within my own self and didn't know what I wanted to. Right. And I think, I think in the world today, this probably happens a lot. And, you know, it, you know, you know, there's this whole thing about where the guy, like, if a girl says no, the answer is no. I don't right. give a fuck if he's about to put his head into your vagina or your anus, if you're in Bible college. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> if she says, no, I'm done. And this goes for guys too, like guys with guys, anybody. Like if somebody's getting on top of you and you're like, all right, I'm done. No, yeah. the answer's fucking no. Take your hard dick or your hard nipples and go home. Right. And, and watch go somewhere some, else. Watch some Pornhub and mm -hmm. follow up the next day. And I think that's an important message to send out. Like, I, 
I don't like this idea. Well, she was asking for it. No, no, no. Mm, I don't give a no. Even if she was asking for it, the moment she says no, like I could, she could go out to dinner with you, or he could go out to dinner with you and sit at the table and say, "I'm gonna ride you until tomorrow morning." And right, then, but yeah. you never know what's gonna happen in those next hour. Right. Whether it's just a, a shift in your mental emotions, whether it's the IBS is kicking in, <laughs> no means no. Oh my god, I think. The IBS, I laugh so hard because I don't know if I have IBS, but I know every time my husband wants sex, I get a stomach ache. Oh, no. You're so kidding. I don't know if it's because I'm like nervous about it because sometimes it can be painful or I'm just like, oh, that's a lot of work. Because I think sex, I'm old. Sex is a lot of work for me. It can be a lot of work. And I mean, I think if you're doing it right, it is a lot of work because your goal should be, you know, both yours and your partner's personal satisfaction. And that's not always easy. Right. Requires some effort. Yeah. 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 You know, there's nothing worse than I'd rather have no sex than lazy sex. Oh God. Lazy sex is the worst. I could be watching Shit's Creek. Like, no, like, like <laughs> I'm good. I agree. <laughs> so like you're, yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you could, exactly, I'd rather be drinking a glass of wine and petting my dog than have this stick in my vagina right now. <laughs> I love this conversation. Doesn't it feel like we're on the back of the jump seat? We're in the back galley. Somebody's walking in. Can I have some water? We're talking about dick, sir. I'm going to need you to go back to 23A. Unless you have a contribution, but I feel like you don't. So please leave our galley. You probably don't. Exactly. Pull that curtain closed. Yeah. So you said that... You know, you were watching porn. You started having these ideas of, oh, sexual being. I'm a sexual being. You're going on dates. When do you finally throw those legs up and say, we're doing this? Okay. So I don't know if I told you this story. I guess I didn't on our on our layover. My The first time I ever had sex was on my first layover as a flight attendant. Okay. All right. How long have you been a flight attendant? Uh, what is it? Three and a half years now. So, so I this, was basically 20... this career ruins your virginity. It did. Yeah. <laughs> but sense. I'm still a German. I'm still German. Of <laughs> did you tell your mom, don't worry, mom, I'm a flight attendant. I'm still German, <laughs> but we won't talk about the rest. So please do tell this story. Cause this sounds exciting. Okay. So, you know, being a flight attendant, whole new career, a whole new adventure, literally my first layover, I was lucky enough to get picked for a trip to sunny San Diego. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was summertime. Um, so uh, San Diego pride was happening and San Diego is bumping during pride. So the rest of my crew, they were um, gay men. So we went out to a gay bar and I was just thinking, I'm just going to have a great time. They were senior daddies. All the drinks were on them. We were having a great time. And I pulled over um, one of the flight attendants because I thought this guy at the other end of the bar was so beautiful. And I asked him if he thought that that guy was gay. And he looks at him and he goes, oh, no, honey, you're good. You have to go for that. And they had no idea my story. They had no idea that I was still a virgin. And this was all new to me. And here I am just like little wet behind the ears ready for this adventure. Oh, yeah. They probably they think you're not a virgin. You're a flight attendant. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. that can't be possible. That's not yeah. Now, let me ask you before you continue. Do you remember the bar you were at? Was it an outdoor indoor bar? It was an indoor bar. I remember the name of it. Do you want me to yeah, say it? Yeah, yeah, please. 
So it was SRO, which is, uh, I believe, right in Bankers Hill in San Diego. Okay, I don't think I've ever been there. I didn't know if you were at The Hole. There's a bar in San Diego called The Hole. Um, oh. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, I've been <laughs> drunk there many times. But go, please, go with your story. Okay, so we were at this at SRO, and I go over to this guy. And obviously, I have no prowess at this time. Like, I'm still a version. I don't know how to talk to guys. So I go over, and I bumped him on the elbow, and I said, oh, I'm sorry if I sneezed on you earlier. That was my opening line, Joe. I'm sorry if I sneezed on you earlier. That couldn't work today. That could not work today. <laughs> right. Be spraying me down with Lysol, put masks over my face, different, <laughs> different climate. You sneeze. I'm sorry if I sneezed on you. That's, that's yeah. good. Uh, it's terrible. It's good. Funny. Go ahead. It was so terrible. So we progressed to talk and make conversation. And I mentioned that, um, one of my karaoke songs was Gangsta's Paradise by, uh, oh gosh, Coolio. And <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have that pause. And he plays it on the jukebox from his phone. And in my mind, this was magic. Like I could have just dropped my panties on the floor at that time. Oh, they would have had to get a mop. If, if <laughs> I want, if I'm into you and you start playing the song that I love from your phone onto the jukebox, you th I, clean up at the bar, but yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> yeah. It was, it must've been alchemy. So we had a couple drinks. Honestly, I was probably, I was so drunk that I have no idea what we talked about, but I do remember that we went back to the hotel room and he left the next morning. Yeah. And that was it. You woke <laughs> up, you, you was, did you say this wasn't your first layover? No, that was my first layover. First layover yeah. as a flight attendant. How old are you? Like, how old were you then? I was 27 then. 27. Oh my God, I lost my virginity at 28. You're, so a, bigger, like you're you, a bigger whore you than I am. <laughs> I guess I got started earlier than you did. <laughs> yes. So you wake up, you're on this layover. You, It's your first layover ever as a flight attendant. You're like, I just fucked. My life, this, this job has done more for me already. And I've only been here a month. <laughs> exactly. I just got released onto working and here I am changing lives and taking names. Oh my God. Like it was like all those years of pent up sexual tension. This guy must've had to take a wheelchair out of the hotel. <laughs> I think so. And he, he did tell me afterwards that he, I did not let him know that I was a virgin. And this is a, a, a very oh. common, I know, it feels duplicitous in, in retrospect, I know. But he did say that he wouldn't have had sex with me um, if he knew that I was, because I guess there's some sort of pressure for, oh, like, yeah, sure. for guys to have a good time on their first. And I told him that, I, I mean, still to this day, it's one of my top five experiences so out of 10,000 out of ten, what 10,000 <laughs> <laughs> okay so he said to, so did you actually talk to when did you tell him I'm a virgin or I was a virgin thank you I believe it was actually the next day because we did the whole Facebook friend thing and we stayed in touch and we we kept on chatting for a while now I always thought I've never had sex with a woman but I always <laughs> thought I've come close to it, but I haven't. Um, but I always thought, like, when you had sex with a virgin, you knew she Is was a like virgin. Is there, like, a password that they tell you? No, I thought you, like, popped the hymen and then the sheets needed to be bleached. I don't know. I'm a gay man. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So the intricacies with the hymen, some women don't have them at all. I Sometimes they wear away, whether it's 
bicycle riding, horseback riding, sometimes they just evaporate. I've, I've read from the internet. I didn't personally at all. I know that's really like TMI, but no, there was no all. indication. Yeah, no, no nasty sheets in that sense. Um, from us so they evaporate yeah. what they evaporate like steam what, what you, you go hiking in phoenix and you're like i'm not a virgin anymore yeah like they just dissolve into the air well because it's it's some it's this membrane so you know with friction and all that jazz just from walking or aggressive use or i don't know some people just don't even have them fascinating i had no clue i always thought it was like like a like a crime scene where like they all came in and they just cleaned up everything like from the handmaid's tale. And then they, left. Right. yeah. Like that and one that, scene. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember that was a horror story that I had heard from a Sunday school teacher because oh. she told us about her first time and the horror scene that it was. So that kind of instilled the fear of God in us not to have sex with someone who wasn't your husband because he would be so terrified at the deluge of blood, you know, the shining elevator scene that comes from between your legs when he enters you. But it just, not true. Um, okay, so a Bible teacher told you about her hymen exploding, and mm -hmm. how old were you? How, what age are oh. they scaring you into not having <laughs> right. sex? That was, high, that was high school, Sunday school, so I think I was probably 16 or 17. That would scare the shit. I would be like lock and key. No one is ever going down there again. So their job exactly. it's working. It would be working. Yeah. Uh, we believe what they told us. So yeah. Wow. So you're, you're Facebook friends with this guy who took your virginity, he took it, he ran, mm -hmm. you tell him and he's like, <laughs> what? Yeah. And he, and so after his initial shock, he went, oh, well, you're actually pretty good at it, so you can keep that up. I was like, oh, okay, well, thanks. That's, I appreciate that, I guess. Interesting. You know, his fear, <laughs> I'm sure, was, you know, and actually this is, I don't know if this is more ego or caring, but, you know, you could go both ways. Like, a guy wouldn't want to have sex with a virgin because if it's so bad, he's going to feel bad about it, or he yeah. doesn't want her to have a bad experience. Like if he didn't want her to have a bad experience and that's what she remembers forever. Oh, that's very kind of him. But if he's like, I really suck and I don't want her to tell me I'm not going to do that. Right. Like, why wouldn't you just strive to, to be better then as, as a baseline, if that's your fear with having sex with women? Yeah, I, I would, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I would want to have sex with a virgin man or, or woman. And why is that? Um, because of the fear of, oh God, oh, like if you go home and then they never call you again, you're done. You're, I'm like, oh my God, I'm really as bad as, as I thought. But that's a fear with, with people other time. If, you know, if your goal is not the one night standard, that can be a fear with any time you sleep with a person for the first time, whether that's, it, whether it is their first time or not. Yeah. That's true. I lost my virginity at 28, a gay guy who lost his virginity at 28. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. So you were not a flight attendant at that time is oh, what you're telling me. No, no, I was a nurse. <laughs> and, you know, I grew up, so I turned 18 in 1990. So I really grew up in the era of, you know, if somebody bumps into you, you're probably going to get HIV. Right. 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 So I, when I was like 22, which was like 94, I moved to Fort Lauderdale for two years and um, I was a virgin the entire time. And I, I, mm -hmm. and I, I hope I don't offend anybody by this. Of course, everyone's always offended, but 
Yeah. I, I think if I would have been sexually active in 1994 in Fort Lauderdale, I would be dead right now. It, it, are you saying it because that's the climate of yes. of what Fort Lauderdale, the gay community, was at that time? Yes, it was. Right. It was nobody was having safe sex, and everyone was contracting HIV. It was a humongous thing, and I can remember I would go to the bars, and I had a friend who was very sexually active. And he would always be like, that guy's looking at you. And I'd be like, I'm not going home with anybody. I was so afraid. Mm-hmm. I imagine that's what people are like right now getting on airplanes, afraid of catching coronavirus. I was afraid of catching HIV. Of or catching getting HIV. HIV. Yeah, yep. catching <laughs> HIV. Catching it in my asshole. Um, so now that friend has AIDS. So I know it's terrible. And I hadn't seen him in years, years and years. And I had a layover down there and I was like, Hey, we haven't talked to each other in 20 years. Let's get together. And when I saw him, I was like, Oh, I'm not going to bring it up. And of of course he brought it up and I was just like, and we talked about it. And, um, and there was a moment of my, and that's the moment I thought like, Oh my God, this, that could be me. If right. I if I wasn't wow. so afraid and kept my butthole on lockdown, literally on lockdown, yeah, literally. Like if somebody bumped yeah. into me in the bar, I left. I was so afraid. Like if you just but like remember when you said, "Excuse me, I sneezed on you." If somebody would have sneezed on me, I would have not ever won out again. Bye, but forever. <laughs> I would have been like, "I'll try to go back out at 30. Um You were the bubble boy at that I time. I was. I was so afraid, and I do think it's it's um. And that's what I've told myself. Now, whether it's that's not the case, I don't know. But I've told myself, you probably don't have HIV at 47 because you were so conservative in your 20s when HIV and AIDS was just exploding all over the place. Which is understandable because you took those precautions to not put yourself at risk for it at a time when it was so rampant and it was so, I mean, just pervasive, honestly. So it was, it was terrible. And there, and this, and everyone thought, Oh, it couldn't happen to me. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what happens today. A lot of people still think, Oh, it's not going to happen to me. I'll be fine. And that's, um, that's not, it's not the the safest mindset. No. No, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. But yeah, I, um, I lost my virginity at 28. I started meeting, mm-hmm. I started dating a guy named Ken. I'm just going to call him out. We're still, and we're friends. We're still friends. I'm friends with okay. both, I'm friends with both of my exes. Um, and you know, you're friends with your exes when you go to their mother's funerals. Yes. That's yeah. a true friendship that right there. That's right, actual yes. support. Well, mm-hmm. I, I have this, I have this belief that if you love somebody at one time and the relationship didn't work out, it's you. It's hard for me to hate that person because I loved you at one point. Just because the relationship didn't work out doesn't mean I hate you now. Some people can't be friends with their exes. I can. Wow. Yeah, I can. It doesn't bother. I'm impressed. Yeah. Um. I I firmly believe that um, you should be able to if you loved somebody at one point in your life. That love doesn't go away. It changes. Sometimes it changes mm-hmm. to hate. But for me, it just right. changed to friendship. So yeah, I met oh. Ken and I was a virgin and um he he was the first person who I had sex with and it was the greatest thing in the world and yeah. I can remember like we had sex like two or three times and then one, and then one day we were about to have sex and he goes, "I don't want to use a condom." <gasps> oh. And I was like, "I don't know how I feel about that." And he goes, "Right." 
I love you and we're going to be together forever. Were, <laughs> I laugh about so, it now. Right. But were you in a monogamous relationship at that time? Yes, but we were only dating like three weeks. Okay. Oh, okay. So it was still early. It yeah. was still early for the bareback sure. conversation. Early, very early for the bareback. So, but yeah. you know, I'm 28 years old. It's 1999 and mm -hmm. I've never had sex. So my brain is like a 16 year old. And my brain is like, oh my God, the high school football player loves me and we're going to be together forever. You can do anything you want to me. Right. Yep. Right. Fast forward a year and a half and he's now, he leaves me for a friend, but that's not what this uh, conversation's about. Uh, I still am his friend though. He, he will deny that. He'll say, I didn't leave you for him. <laughs> well, you were together for 10 years. So I don't know about that. But um, how do you, like, because you lost your virginity so late in life, do you think that was a good thing, a bad thing? Do you think you missed out? I, I mean, I really, and personally, I think it was a good thing. Everything happens for a reason and it happens the way that it's meant to be. So I don't think that personally in my story, looking back, I could have ever had sex as a, as a younger person, as an 18, 20, 22 year old. Back then I was not about taking risks. I was not about um, either embarrassing people or, you know, even like my college dorm room would have been impossible because we had men's dorms and we had women's dorms and never the twain shall meet. Um, there was one story about a guy who snuck his girlfriend into his room in a suitcase. And I just thought, that's not the purpose of suitcases. So you're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I really don't see my life happening any other way. And I, I feel like everything kind of happens with such a gusto when it does. Like, for instance, the story of the first time I had sex, like that happened with a bang. My layover was my first lay. Like it had to happen for that way. I don't, I couldn't see it any other way. But you're one of those people like I am who believe things happen the way they're supposed to happen. Absolutely. Like I, yeah. I definitely was like, when I hear somebody had sex at 15 or 16, in my mind, I'm like at 15 or 16, I was in the basement dancing to Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. You know, I had my own karaoke machine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. I, sex <laughs> wasn't on my mind, but no. I, also, I was also, you know, sexually molested by my adopted father. So, you know, my ideas of sex have always probably been a little distorted. Right. Because right. there's that background of, of whether, where, however you went with it, whether it was shame, whether I did something wrong, it associates with that person. And, and it takes a lot of work to dissociate the sexual pleasure from those feelings of, of abuse and mistreatment. Right. Absolutely. Because, you know, I'm growing up and, you know, I'm growing up in this era of HIV and AIDS and, you know, sexually transmitted diseases, but also, honestly, I'm afraid of sex. Right. And how are you supposed to reconcile those two? It's yeah. Like sex is scary. When, when, mm. when I think of sex, somebody's coming into my room when it's dark. Right. So oh. it's like, how do you go? No, it's okay. <laughs> this, I, I don't know if you know this, but this podcast is actually just therapy for. <laughs> and now your tummy just hurts every time you, no. you think about having sex. No, that's just a joke. I love having sex with my husband, but <laughs> okay, you know, back in the day, you know, it's, it's that struggle of, well, I don't want to, you know, I'm afraid of sex. And if I do have sex and then I get something from it. And then I was going through this whole era of God's watching me 
you know, I, sh- I, I, I was reading the Left Behind series in the early 90s. Oh, gosh. Uh, Bless you, your heart. You know what I'm talking about. I was, yeah. I was ready for the horsemen to come and take me away. <laughs> Where's the trumpets? I, I think I hear them. What was that? Oh, I was, oh, that was too much broccoli. Oh, whoo, I'm scared. <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> so you lose your virginity as a flight attendant and you you transition into this world of being a swinger. Oh, oh, here we, here we, here we go to this one. Yeah. Did you not think we were going to talk about that? <laughs> so, um, I have this thought that swinging, I imagine being a swinger is not something that you think of or aim to be it in my <laughs> mind. It's something that somebody teaches you or somebody brings to you, like hands you a cake on the plate. Oh, I wasn't thinking of cake, but oh, since now you I have it, cake. right? Yes. So how it happened for me was, and you are absolutely correct. I did not pursue this on my own at all. It was with one of my exes. Uh, we were going to. He lived in Wyoming, so we went to Denver. Yay! To Denver. Denver. Hey, I think I know some cool people. That is there. where this podcast is being recorded, by the way. <laughs> But you're on the other side of the country. <laughs> yes. Um, so in Denver, we went to a, I don't know what to call it to this day. It was a sex hotel. But when I tell people that, they say, isn't every hotel a sex hotel? So we went to the sex hotel where the there was a pool area with hot tubs. And it was clothing optional, which they mean, you know, no clothing. And um, it was just kind of anything goes. And okay. so we went and, uh, you know, you have relations in the pool area in the hot tub whatever goes and all of a sudden he goes well how do you feel about you know maybe inviting a couple back to our room well I didn't I wasn't a fan of any of the couples but I was open to that idea so we just ended up bringing a single guy back to our room because that's all that was on the menu that looked appealing at the time I love the menu yes (laughs) (laughs) the menu so he um so you come to Denver with this boyfriend. Does he tell you, hey, we're not going to the Holiday Inn. We're going to the XXX Hotel where people have sex at the pool. Are you cool with that? <laughs> yes. we. I did know that beforehand. He was open about that. But I didn't think that having sex with another couple or another single was on the table at the time. Um, it just kind of happened. And I trusted him enough to let it happen and to go with it and was curious enough about it. And it ended up being great. So there's only one guy at the pool. So did you actually have sex at the pool while people watched? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. How, was that, were you scared? Were you okay? Or were you so focused on your boyfriend that everything else was just like a blur? Oh, yeah. It was all that. Because I, and it, it was kind of an exhilarating, honestly. Um, also because... I don't want to toot my own horn, but being a little bit younger and a little bit more attractive than the typical crowd that was there, he mentioned that a lot of attention would probably be on us. And he said, probably on you a little bit more mm-hmm. than the other people who would be there. So yes, people will be watching you and they may be doing other things while you're up there as well. And not that there was like stage, but there was, you know, a hot tub that was a little bit more elevated where it was kind of in prime viewing area of, of everything else. 
<laughs> that makes sense. And, and, and it's true. You know, it's always the people you don't want taking off their clothes to take off their clothes. It's always right. Like when like, you think about a, a nude beach or something, it's, right. you know, what are the typical people at a nude beach? It's lots of old wrinkly balls. You know, we went to a nude beach re- before we moved from California. My husband mm-hmm. taught, I'm very vanilla. I'm very conservative <laughs> when it comes to okay. sex. And I explained, mm-hmm. you know, my background and, you know, sex was always scary to me. So when my husband's yeah. like, hi, you want to try something new? I'm like, what? What do you have? What? What's okay? Like my alert goes up. What's new? Why? Uh, why? Yeah. Why? It's this, it's okay to just do what we've been doing for sixteen years. Why change something? Yeah. And um, he was he he actually was like, I'm gonna go to I want to go to a nude beach. He's gonna kill me. Um, but he was Ooh. like, I want to go to a nude beach, and I'm like, I'm not going to. Are you kidding me? I can't. How dare you? And it's so funny because I talk a lot about sex. I jo- I I have I have a chapter in my book called blowjob confessions i talk about sucking mm. dick like i'm so but that's flight attendant joe and that's a character <laughs> joe does yeah. not want to go to a nude beach joe is afraid <laughs> of the nude beach right so he goes and i was off working and and he's like oh my god it was so exciting and i was like who was there how many people were there what happened were you raped what's going on he's like oh, god. he's like you're a crazy person it was fine it was very it was very freeing. And I was like, all right. So he's like, I want you to go with me. And we were getting ready to move. And he's like, this is like the last chance you're going to have to walk on the beach in California naked before we move to Colorado. And I was like, I'm going to do it. (laughs) So we when you paint it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, all right. So we drive there and we get there and you know, you come down the hill and I get naked and within like five minutes, I forget I'm naked. Exactly. And then I'm seeing other people playing volleyball, balls and mm-hmm. dicks are flopping around. And I'm like, well, I look better than most of these people anyway. What am I worried about? Exactly. You get into it. The The first couple minutes are the most nerve wracking. Yes. And then once it feels natural and normal again, and you're like, oh, this is, you know, the breeze hitting me in places that it never does. This is kind of refreshing. It It's, it's very freeing. And it's, it's. Well, it's how God intended us to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, and by the end of the afternoon, I was climbing up rocks. I was in caves. I actually shared an Instagram photo of my naked with a peach on my ass. Oh, you are so risque. You put that out on the uh, internet. Risque. Yeah, I got some good comments back. Um, so you're at the, so I just wanted to share that because we were talking about being at a naked pool, but so you, yes. you find one guy that you find attractive. Now, is it up to you? Does he say, who do you want? Cause you're the girl. Right. Oh, absolutely. Everything was what I was comfortable with because he was much more accepting and he had a, a wider array of what he found attractive. I was the picky one. Um, so he would let me choose and we'd do kind of like, you know, the eye contact thing and like the yes or no head nod. And, but he did all of it. Like he invited the guy back to our room and he, the negotiations made them happen, you know, like, Hey, you have to wear a condom, all that oh, yeah. jazz. And yeah. And like, I got to, it was so nice. I got to go shower while they were doing the cleanup and he left. So I didn't have to deal with any of the awkwardity. I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to go. Okay. Bye. Right. You had right. it made. You got to perform. You got to do whatever you wanted. And then you went away. They took care of it. And then he left. Is Was your ex-boyfriend bisexual? 
And is bi yeah. is bi okay? Because I didn't know if when you're a swinger, there's no um, what's the word I'm looking for? Labels. It's just I'm a swinger, and I'm gonna if it's in front of me, I'm gonna try it. Right. It, I mean the the swinging community is so much more open than you know. I mean, no offense, but the straight vanilla community. It's just kind of whatever goes. You're there. You're there. It happens. It doesn't. Whatever. They're fine with it. They're okay because. Um, in the kink and swinger community, they go by three roles typically, and it's whatever is safe, sane, and consensual. And I just love that because there's, I mean, the only hard limit is anything based on those three things. So you can do whatever you want till your heart's desire and have fun with it, just so long as you're having fun. What is the difference between like a threesome and swinging? Because that was, to me, what you did was a threesome. Right. So it was. Okay. So the difference between that and swinging is typically swinging is you and another couple and you exchange partners. Okay. But once again, going back to where I said I was picky, I was open to it and we were aggressively searching for it, but we could not find it. I just oh, couldn't find, okay. couldn't find the right match with what I was okay with. Um, so that was all on me but we had initiated several times and I just wasn't, wasn't feeling it with the woman because frankly, vaginas are disgusting and I want to make sure that everything else is okay before I agree to that. Yeah. Okay. So you had had these conversations multi probably way before you find yourself in Denver at the hotel. It wasn't just Absolutely. sprung up to you on the airplane. No, no, oh, we were okay. Okay. deep in deep in chatting about it and okay. exploring and, We'd made, um, I mean, Tinder, obviously, we'd made a, a, a couple's Tinder bio, but there's also an app called Field, which is for um, either kinky or polyamorous swinger couples to have it together and to search for other people to find what they're looking for that are with people who are more open. Oh, okay. So, because there's a huge community out there, just like people who are into threesomes and... Um, but you just, but a few minutes ago, you said vaginas are disgusting. So I take it that you're not bisexual. No. Yeah, I don't. I, I stand back whenever that happens. I just let them go. And if ever there are threesomes or moresomes, I'm just more so focused on the guy. And like, it's kind of a, whenever I approach it, it's a mutually understood thing that I am there for his enjoyment. And they're typically okay with that. So no, no chances of a girl going down on you. That's just off the table. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> I like, can't. Oh, yeah. Oh, you took oh. a swig of wine. It's like, oh no, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, oh, I need, I need another sip there after that one. I think a lot of people have this, have fantasies about, you know, sex is so, it's so, people have their, oh, you just have the one person, you know, we were not meant to be monogamous anyway. I don't know. Right. You know, people will argue that, but we're animals. We're meant, Absolutely. guys are actually meant to go around and produce babies. We're bred their seed. That's it. That's true. You know, this monogamy thing is a new thing um, mm -hmm. in, in the history of humanity. How do you, I'm sure people are listening to that going, that's bullshit, but I hate to tell you that's science. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of people fantasize who are listening right. about like, oh my God, I would love to get a third in here, but my wife wouldn't let me. Um, uh, and 
my question is, how do you manage your your jealousy when you're going into this? Honestly, jealousy is a huge part of being in an open relationship or any any anything on that spectrum, whether you are, you know, polyamorous or a slinger or just have threesomes or, you know, whatever it may fall under. And you have to work on being secure in your relationship first before you let a person explore what they want to. So if ever I was unsure that he, the guy didn't want me first or he would stray, I would just nip that relationship in the bud and not even let it progress to the point of it being open. Um, so you just have to really go back to your foundations of, well, this relationship is you and I, and we are rock solid. And because we are rock solid, we love each other enough to explore the things that make us happy and give us pleasure and go from there in your relationship. If there, not that something would be missing by you wanting to explore sexuality, but it's just another flavor. I can imagine that married couples would be worried, like say a monogamous married couple, they talk about, oh, let's have, we're gonna have Beatrice that lives across the street come over and she's gonna mm -hmm. play with us. You know, there's the fear of, what if, what if my husband likes Beatrice more than me? Or the husband thinking, what if my wife and Beatrice start going down on each other? And I was not expecting that. Right. And I, I mean, again, you just have to come back to, you know, this is, this is a you and I thing and we're doing this for us and anything else is just like sprinkles on top of the ice cream. And if you like the sprinkles more than the ice cream, um, I think that there, you might have to revisit your relationship with the ice cream. Um, <laughs> I love ice cream and sprinkles. <laughs> but personally, my recommendation is always, and this might sound strange with, you know, following safe sex rules. My recommendation is always to go with a stranger um, just until you get the hang of it. So you know how to navigate the feelings first before you integrate someone that you may know. So like say with going with Beatrice across the street, because you have the possibility of running into her again. So you'd have to know how to navigate that relationship between your significant other and the third first before just like diving in. Right. If that makes sense. No, that, that makes total sense because you bring a stranger in, you're probably hopefully never going to see them again. But if it's Beatrice the across way. the street, if it's Beatrice, she better be hot. But if it's Beatrice across the street, you're going to, you know, you see your husband out there talking to her by the trash cans. What are they? Are they planning something? Are they, uh, are they right. going to hook up together without me? And then all of a right. sudden your, your relationships collapse because the jealousy is so powerful and you're absolutely right. If, it, you have to be a hundred percent comfortable and confident with your partner knowing they're not, they're not, they're not doing this to find another partner. They're doing this to enhance your sex life. And if they are doing it to find another partner, then you probably should end the relationship anyway. Absolutely. You said it perfectly. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. You just, you need to have that communication and the trust there first. To, to not have those issues in your own heart if they are if you are going to incorporate a third or you know a party situation something like that how invested are you in the swinging lifestyle if you met someone who was like i'm only want to be monogamous i don't i can't even imagine you sleeping with another man how would oh, that yeah. affect your relationship with that person i i could take it or leave it oh, okay. honestly All right. yeah I, i'm not dead set with it or against it. 
um, I think I only got into that open kind of lifestyle and, and that when I was dating the guy who was into it, if I met another guy and he wanted to be in a relationship and he said, absolutely not. We're only, it's only you and I I'm like, okay, Hey, that's great. Then we don't have to worry about wearing condoms ever. So perfect. But when you do have the opportunity, when you say, all right, well, if you are a swinger, I'm into it. If you're not, I'm not. If you're into swinging, that opens you up to more sexual escapades, which it does. can be fun because sex is supposed to be fun. It's a gift from Jesus. <laughs> right? It does. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I mean, our next, we were planning a, a trip to... Um, temptations Jamaica so there's a lot of fun things that can be had around sex and trips that can be had around being open and and there is a big kink community that you could get into when you're open to not just being open in relationships uh, not necessarily polyamory but the possibility of non-monogamy ethical non-monogamy and it's out there and it's big and there's lots of underground communities that have parties and just this weekend I have a friend going to Dallas for a birthday party that is a kink themed birthday party so they're having leather dress ups and they're having bondage rooms and they're having rope demonstrations and it's very jealous i mean i'm i'm very jealous that i'm not invited to that birthday party you know it's so fascinating to me well that party sounds fun i mean i'd go <laughs> but i would stand in the corner with my febreze <laughs> bottle and say don't touch me um like i'll wipe like, yeah, well, I think Costco's out of Lysol wipes now. But um, <laughs> it's so interesting I to find out that there's this type of kink and, you know, sexual um, conduct in the straight community. Because, you know, in the gay community, there's all this shit. And I've been involved. Invo mm -hmm. When I say involved, I mean, I've been around it for years. I'm in the bear community. I will never forget 2001. I was in Fort Lauderdale with um, my second ex-boyfriend and a good friend of mine, we were going to the Madonna Drowned World concert. And oh, wow. they couldn't wait to get out of the concert because they wanted to go to the Eagle because there were sex rooms in the back. And wow. I don't think it's like that anymore. But in oh. 2001, it was. And you would go in the bar and it was the Eagle. It's a leather bar, you know, a leather bear bar. And we'd go in and it's just normal inside, very dark. I don't know if you've ever been into an Eagle or a leather bar. No, no, you should. No, you should. They love you. Oh love my it. God. You wouldn't have to buy a drink. So, but then I believe the... I'm go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I believe I'm called a Goldilocks in the gay community oh. because I'm a blonde who loves bears. Yes. Yes, that is true. <laughs> um, so me and my, me and my ex-boyfriend at the time and a friend we're going through and it's all these dark tunnels and curtains and you open up the curtain and you know, there's somebody giving somebody a blow job and Oh my um, God, that sounds amazing. Well, I'm so scared and nervous. I scream out because <laughs> I always lead with comedy. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, this place is like an English muffin. There's nooks and crannies everywhere. <laughs> so at that moment, everyone who's either sucking dick or getting their dick sucked turns and looks at me, right? Thank God there's no lights on. And I'm dragged yeah. out by my friend and my ex. And they're like, do you not know how to fucking act? And I was like, I was scared, but <laughs> behave, behave. Like when you're in a sex dungeon, God damn it. Act, act like you're supposed to. There's a way to act. Don't start screaming about English muffins. It's absolutely ridiculous. Oh God. Ooh. But 
I want to thank you for being on the podcast. And I want to say to you how brave I think you are to talk about these things because so many people won't be this honest. And I want to ask you, was it easier than you thought it would be? It was. I, I was a little, I was unnecessarily afraid, I think, in the beginning. And I didn't want to admit it. Okay. Um, but I, talking with you is great because you, you're just, you're great, Joe. Oh, well, you know, I try to be, you're great too. What, what were you afraid of though? I want to know exactly what in your, before I called you, what in your mind you were thinking that was scary. I, it, it does. It circles back to, you mentioned the shame that women face around being open with their sexuality and every X, Y, Z term that we get called for being honest about that, the fact that we're sexual beings and I guess just, you know, personally it coming from me too, with such a conservative background, like here I am now, like I do all of these things, listen to me talk about them. Um, and I definitely will not be telling my mom about this. So she can't hear about well, anything. Well, she can't even handle you talking about a blowjob in Target. So she definitely <laughs> can't handle this. All right, before I let you go though, I want to play my game. Let's get grounded with Flight Attendant oh. Joe. So, um, I want you to pick a color, um, purple, green, yellow, red, or blue. Red. Red. Okay. So imagine okay. this. I tell you, I'm going to pay for you to, for an all inclusive, is that the word inclusive? All inclusive yes. paid vacation <gasps> to anywhere in the world. Wow. Joe, where would you not want to go? Oh, <laughs> not want to go where would you never want to visit even if it was all paid for okay i think that i would not want to go to tunisia is i think the place tunisia is that in the middle east i'm usually good with geography but i don't know this one i know i should have been more prepared and i know i'm a flight attendant i think it's in africa okay um but from what little i know about tunisia via 90 day fiance is that it's <laughs> a very know. what is that i don't even know what yeah. that is it's it's a reality tv show where people have dating these people from america but they their uh fiancés are from somewhere else they okay. come to the states and they have 90 days to get married on this fiance visa so what i know about tunisia is that it's a very repressed culture for both relationships and for women um, so there's like no holding hands. There's no public displays of affection. There's nothing like that. Oh yeah. I wouldn't want to go there too. And just so you know, Tunisia is in Northern Africa um, and it borders the Mediterranean sea. So probably great beaches, but you can't hold hands and you'll probably have your head cut off. Yeah. And I probably, yeah, if I wore a bikini, they'll be like, no, no. Did you see you, you, you know, remember, um, did you see sex in the city, the movie, the second one where they go to Africa and Samantha gets in so much trouble because she's hoeing around and she's flirting yes. with people. That would be you. You're my Samantha Jones. <laughs> I am honored to be your Samantha Jones. You are. Oh my God. Thank you so much, <laughs> Jordan. I really appreciate that. How open and honest with you about this conversation. And, um, I think more people need to talk about sex and stop acting like it doesn't fucking happen. Because and, it does, and it's great. And it's great. So thank you so much, and I appreciate it. It's been a joy, Joe. Thank uh, you. All right, take care. Enjoy a glass of wine for me. I will. Thank right. you. Okay, bye-bye. With Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. 
Also check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.